You are now tuned in to the AddictedToSuccess.com podcast, where geniuses, entrepreneurs, and next-level game-changers share their juicy little secrets on achieving massive success. This is the advice you wish you heard years ago. Be prepared and take note as we expose the realness and the raw of what it takes to be successful on AddictedToSuccess.com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Addicted to Success podcast. I'm your host, Joel Brown. And I'm here today with a, a friend that we've been connected for more than six years now. He had me on his podcast. This is such a trip. I'm, I'm like thinking back to what we were talking about back then and just to see how much he has grown, how much he's excelled, how much of a leader he is, how much of a true sayer, uh, supporter, and just a massive facilitator for transformation. This is Ronnie Landis. He is a whole human optimization expert, coach, and speaker. And as a matter of fact, he's actually written some really awesome books too. He's got a book here called The Addiction-Free Lifestyle. And he's put together a program called The Six-Week Ultimate Dopamine Reset Program. Now, I want you to think about this. You're listening to Addicted to Success right now, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm going to be honest with you. 12 years ago, when I created Addicted to Success, I was very much so in my overcompensationary success. Mm. It was very much about my heavy pursuit for my dreams. And as a matter of fact, it, it was driving me for quite a while. But I got to a point where I realized there's more to it than just this. And uh, I was speaking with Ronnie and we were going deeper into what it takes to really build that certainty within, like an authentic, mm. aligned, centered, harmonized type of life rather than just always chasing the next thing. So Ronnie, I'm so excited to have you here today, man. I really feel like you know, as, as the audience, and I know you've been part of the audience too, as the audience is listening now, uh, are maturing more into their success and realizing it's not just about the fancy things and just the pursuit. I'd love for you to really instill in us today mm-hmm. how we can craft a better game plan for our life so that we can start working with the chemicals that are going on in our brain so that we can truly optimize our, not just our energy, but also our results. So thanks for showing up, man. This is awesome, dude. I'm, I'm pumped, as you can hear. <laughs> yes, yes. Thanks so much, brother. Well, first of all, as I was sharing with you before, it's like such a huge honor and just a joy for me to be here with you. Um, yeah, we did that that great podcast, like six, seven, five, six, seven, whatever it was. I don't even know what time it is. It's like it's all like a blur right now. Um, wow. Things are just moving so quick and so deep and um and uh, I, I just really respect you so much as as a leader, and I'm just humbled and honored to be here. So thank you. And um, yeah, man, I, I, it's almost even hard to know like what to pivot into as far as the response to that question. But like that that is why we're all here, right? And that's why people are listening to this show. Um, I, I don't suspect that it's just because they're quote unquote addicted to success. I think it's because they're yearning for something deeper inside of themselves, um, as we all are. I know you and I were talking before we started recording about your journey, you know, your entrepreneurial journey, and you've achieved so much success, um, especially compared to what most people have experienced, um, even myself, in terms of like finances and business and entrepreneurship. Um, and you were sharing with me that it didn't do it. It didn't, it didn't fill the void. You know, there was still, there was something that needed to be filled that money or success or notoriety 
would not fill. And, and I, I do I can relate so much to that, you know, just being on the speaking mm -hmm. circuit in the health world and, you know, building different little businesses and making some money here and there and, and even helping people, even like helping people heal stage four, stage three cancers and autoimmune conditions and, and um, even psychological issues, like helping people heal things. Even that didn't fill that little thing inside of me. And that caused me to have to go inward. That caused me to have to find a different type of success, a, a spiritual success, a personal type of success. And, you know, it's, it's really interesting too, because now I'm kind of rebuilding my whole framework of my life. You know, I've gone through a recent transformational experience that uprooted all the the traumas, the childhood, the little boy stuff, the 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 unresolved issues, or the vic even the victim consciousness, the, the stories, all of it, and just been uprooting all that to find who am I really, and and I can say that I have found that person, and that man that supersedes any external thing that I could use as a compensation. Um, and so I'm, I'm rebuilding the foundation of my, my life. So whatever I build and create externally, it's not on shifting sand. And I think that's, that's what I, that's how I want to open this up is like, as we're talking about success, I think the important question that we get to ask ourselves, what kind of success are we seeking? Um, and, and, and financial success is, is part of our birthright, abundance, prosperity, like getting overriding the poverty programming and the scarcity software that I don't think any of that has anything to do with God. I don't think it has anything to do with our own evolution and growth. We all deserve to be uh, opulent, abundant, um, opulently abundant. And with that said, what are we going to do with it? How are we going to serve? How is it going to enrich other people's lives um, in the planet that we live on? So that, that's been my inquiry for me, building my foundation so um, it's solid. And whatever I create, um, it, it's, it's on a solid foundation. So, you know, as far as like, how do, we, how do we create the framework? How do we create kind of a blueprint for our success in life. It, it, for me, it equates to four different things. I, I have a model that I, I work with in my coaching work. I come from the holistic health background. I was also a martial artist growing up since the age of four years old. And uh, Bruce Lee was my surrogate role model and, um, and kind of my, my first like masculine kind of role model. And, um, I took on his philosophy and, and, um, and it really affected me at a deep level. And so I have this philosophical background. I have this spiritual background and I have this very physical background and um, all that has gone into this, this model, which I just call the, the four quadrants of the human experience or the four quadrants of holistic health, which is mental health, physical health, emotional health, and spiritual health. And these four areas have to work um, in unison with one another. They can't be, we can't be too imbalanced in one or the other because the body itself is not independent of those other things. Our, our emotional body, our mental body, our spiritual body, um, the, the etheric or the, the, yeah, the etheric kind of force, the subtle energies, in other words, those subtle energies that we feel and where do we feel it? We feel it in our body. 
So one of the first things I try to help people get to is, is kind of get out of here, get out of the, the intellectualizing and having ideas about ideas and drop into the body, the somatic sensations of the body and using breath work, um, you know, cold showers or ice plunging, cleansing, detoxing the body, getting the right nutrition for the body. Um, and, and, and that becomes the foundation. The foundation is, is always in the holy temple, right? The body. And once we, once we get comfortable in the body and we feel safe in our body to feel whatever is, is going on, then everything else starts to kind of work itself out from there. So I, I, so that, you know, I'll pause on that, but as far as like where the foundation of success in life is, I always revert back to the body because I find in our culture, we're so hyper intellectualized, you know, um, people are ejecting out of the body and they're stuck in their head and trying to solve, solve their, their problems in their mind, but the mind only can track the past. It only has a reference point for what it has experienced. And it's usually trying to avoid the pain of the past and, um, and, you know, ironically recreating situations, um, because only the heart or the soul, however you want to think about the, I'll just say the heart, only the heart knows what's possible into the future. But a lot of, a lot of people are, ha have a hard time dropping into their heart, you know, dropping into their emotions, dropping into that, that reservoir of love inside of them because maybe they've been hurt, wounded, stressed out, drinking too much coffee, too much stimulants. And that, that puts them right into their, 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 uh, hyper, hyper intellectual state as a protection mechanism from feeling. So again, it, the foundation I think is really getting comfortable in the body. And then, you know, then you're able to navigate the, the, the path. Yeah, absolutely, man. Absolutely. You know, it's, uh, hanging out with a bunch of my friends a couple of days back. And one of my friends, Ben, he was saying that he did a, a food psychology course. And he said that when we're kids, you know, what are we told when we've got this plate in front of us at the dinner table and we haven't quite finished, what are we told? Finish your food and you'll be able to get dessert, right? So that's uh, like the little, uh -huh. the little trigger of if I get this, here's the reward. Uh, and then, you know, we're growing ass humans, adults that are walking around later on and sitting at the table and, and we're, we're still living and eating like little kids. Um, now, it doesn't necessarily mean that we have to always finish our plate, but we often overconsume. Yes. And it's really because we're not checking in, right? We're running in old school programs and often through lack or some sort of like a coercion mm -hmm. that's in place which is interesting because mm -hmm. there's a lot of that going on right now too <laughs> yes. with the whole COVID situation. But, but you know, we're, we're like, oh, well, you go, just got to follow orders rather than checking in and going, wait, how do I actually feel within myself? You know, so a lot of people are disconnected from their body. So I love mm -hmm. this, man. And, uh, it sounds like you're alluding to this mindfulness as well of like paying attention, energy in, energy out. Where is it going? Where yes. is it coming from? Yeah. And it, let, let's call it like extreme mindfulness, like, like, and even the mindfulness movement, it, it can be, you know, okay, so for example, like meditation, right? So meditation practices can be extremely helpful, but they can also be very limiting as far as like the, the practicalities or how, how far you can go. Because for a lot of people, it's still a mental exercise. They're observing their thoughts. They're, they're trying to 
they're trying to uh, get rid of their thoughts or whatever. And, and so the, the second level of that is whew, dropping into the body, like literally dropping the mind altogether. And so mindfulness just becomes like body awareness and all the sensations that are emerging in the body, the, the, the fear, the anxiety, the, the, the phobias, the doubts, the, the, the existential crises, you know, th these are all sensations that are manifesting themselves in the body itself. And that's also where the gold is found. You know, I like that, that metaphor. I don't remember. It was like Carl Jung, I think said like the, uh, the, the cave that you least want to look in is where the treasure is found. So something like that. Right. Oh, that's deep. Yeah. And I think that cave is, is accessible through the body. Um, so, so anyways, I, I would, yeah, I would say mindfulness and, in the next level of it would be like body awareness. Um, and the, in the, in the, the integration between the, the body and the mind. And once the, once those two things are integrated, then what ends up happening is somebody starts to discover their wholeness. And I, I so that, that's, that's really what, what I'm interested in now at this you know, after 12 years of being in the holistic health and personal development world, I'm really interested in helping people to discover their wholeness, not their fragmented, fractured self where they put on a hat over here. I'm an entrepreneur over here. I'm a coach over here. Um, but in my relationship is just absolute crap, right? Or my health is absolute, just, just chaos, right? Like it's, it's, it's finding out like who and what we really are so that, one thing translates over to another. So excellence in one part of our life translates over to another. And we're not compensating for like, you know, we don't really feel all that great about ourselves. but I can, I can compensate for that by becoming addicted to success and I can make a lot of money and I can play that game, but secretly inside, I don't feel whole healed and complete. I feel a little bit empty. And as you know, better than almost anybody, that game has an expiration date. And once you get to that expiration date, I mean, I've been there and I'm just, I'm just like, whoo, man, like that, that's, that's a hard lesson. It, it, and isn't it funny? It, it often leads to spirituality, right? Cause there is that aspect of us that's yearning. It's like our soul wants to make a forward progression in its journey. It doesn't want to be stuck. It doesn't want to revert. It wants to keep moving forward. Uh, and I think a lot of the time we have ties, right? And I think it's because we suppress so much. I remember, uh, and I know you do shadow work a lot too. I love coaching on shadow work. This is like such a big focus mm -hmm. for transformation, you know, because everyone keeps talking about adding all the strategies on top and go for your goals. And this is like 1990s, 1980s self-development mm -hmm. talk, right? Like we know as we go deeper that there's more that's lurking in the dungeons of the mind. And yes. I heard this awesome quote, bro. I refer to it often with my students and clients, and I think you would actually appreciate this too. It's from Robert A. Johnson. He's a psychotherapist. He says, our shadow is comprised largely of elements of our nature, our repressed mm -hmm. sexuality, fears, frailties, secret desires, and so on, that we have rejected for various reasons and as such have been effectively split off 
forming a type of secondary personality that emerges under certain conditions like stress, anxiety, strong emotions, and anything involving sudden changes. And as you know, Carl Jung says, until you make the unconscious conscious, it will direct your life and you will call it fate. Yes. Right? So, yes. So much of like what's showing up in our life, we, we think we're so much in control of everything. 95% of our thoughts are the same as the day before. We only think 5% new thoughts unless we're living with intention and unless we are doing the healing work, the forgiveness work, right? Mm -hmm. And, and mm -hmm. moving through those lower brackets, like mm -hmm. uh, uh, David Hawkins says in the map of consciousness, you've got, you know, shame, guilt, apathy, uh, fear, uh -huh. desire, mm -hmm. right? At Jordan Peterson, this, this is such a good one, bro. And I know like this is, this is like going to lead us into this next quadrant that you're talking about. Uh, this is from Jordan Peterson, who I know you, you respect as well. Oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> he says... He says, if you have to fight a dragon, you should go to its lair before it comes to your village. Oh, dude, that's, mm. that's amazing. Yeah, solid, Ooh. huh? Yeah. That's, that, that right there, dude, that, that, you know, you could go really deep into that thought. And it's interesting, too, you know, like everything you mentioned, some of those quotes actually are in this book. Oh, nice. And, um, and those themes are, are on the same page then. Oh, 100%. <laughs> literally. <laughs> literally, yeah. And that, that quote that you just from Jordan Peterson, like that's a really deep insight into success and in, in, in any kind of success. You know, if you're trying to heal yourself of something or you're trying to address a business issue or a relationship conflict um, or a personal issue of some sort, you know, life is interesting, right? Because to that, to that quote about uh, Carl Jung, like the unconscious is always trying to make itself conscious. And so within that process, life will always present you things, situations, people, places, things to, to trigger that awakening. And so you can either voluntarily go into it. And, and I can guarantee no matter how scary it might be, it will be so much less chaotic or harsh to go into it voluntarily. It's almost like you, you get rewarded somehow by enacting the courage to face the dragon head on. But if you don't and you feel and you feel it and life is offering you opportunities like, hey, go to this retreat. Hey, this coach, you turn down the coach that you knew you should have, you know, you've been on coaching calls. I've been on coaching calls with people where they're like, oh, my God, yes, I, this is this is the thing I need this. And then you, you tell them about the program. They're like, oh, oh, well, you know, I just I, I mean, maybe it's not the right time and I don't have the money. And I'm just like, dude, you're you're headed for a fall. And I'm just it's. I'm just I because I know the pat I know what happens when you deny fate. Um, yeah. And so it is life is going to humble you humble me it's done it many times that's why I know the pattern so well I realized if I voluntarily put myself through resistance and, and strengthen myself voluntarily then life is going to actually be easier on me. But if I don't do that and I don't face the dragon head on, especially when I know there's a dragon there and I cower away from it, I, I can feel the storm is going to come. I, I know the storm is going to come and it's, it's not going to be it's not going to be good. Yeah, for sure, man, for sure. I, uh, my goal is 
it's not to do things perfect because I just don't believe that that's you know possible in our frame. And I'm okay with that. I, I'm okay to be a nine out of ten. If there's some room to move, let's go there, right? Uh, nine out of ten is pretty good. That's <laughs> pretty good, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the virtue. Uh, but my goal is to to go for as many winning streaks more consistently, right? Mm-hmm. Like I know there's going to be some some what we call taking an L or we say making mistakes, but the L that I take is a lesson. I take yes. it, and I run with it. So yes, that I get I more winning that. streaks, right? That's the goal. Uh, but we don't know until we go to those places that make us feel uncomfortable. There are so mm-hmm. many people that are running from, uh, hiding from, avoiding, pretending not to know that that thing is there. And one day it will come out and bite you, right? Uh, pretending but I like not to know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Pretending not to know, right? It's hiding in the shadows. So I like this conversation because it shows that there's this cohesiveness between the body. So would you agree that the body is the unconscious, the unconscious is the body? Yes, I, I think that's like perfectly the, stated. I think that's perfectly yeah. stated. Yeah. Sweet, sweet. So like it's sending signals. And a lot of time people say, oh, my intuition. It's like, yo, your unconscious was checking out for you. <laughs> it was like, yo, yes. check this out. I'm going to send this information to you. Uh, the fact that we have so many different uh, points within our gut, right? That is able to send signals to our brain mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. alert us it's insane man it's so insane it's and god's created us in such an incredible way he such paid incredible every way. detail right down to the molecules man it's insane so you got the body then you have yeah. the mind right mm-hmm. and the other two you were mentioning was uh the the uh, emotional and the spirit yes yes yeah. Are you are you rounding up the mental there? Are you good with that? I know we could talk all. Yeah, day yeah, I'm 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 good with that. And I'll just say too, my my perspective on the body is that the body is the repository feedback. It's like a feedback repository system of the mind. Um, they're they're actually one in the same. Like a lot of people may not understand that. That's my perspective. They're they're actually not separate. They're one in the same. What's going on in the mind is a reflection of what's going on in the body. Maybe there's inflammation. There's an immune reaction. There's um, some sort of issue going on in the body, and that will tend to create an agitation in the mind. And we could we could go deep into that. I'll leave it at that. Dude. What's also yeah. That man, gonna, that is the one. That is one of the yeah. things I want to drop in on. Definitely okay. finish this this point here, but let's let's go back to that after. Okay, yeah, and then just just reverse it. You know, like what's going on in the body is a reflection of what's going on in the mind. So if the mind is chaotic, if it's restless, you're gonna. I mean, just imagine like all the points of tension in the body: neck issues, shoulder issues, and then the metaphysical perspective, and that brings in the emotional and spiritual side too, which is like every organ in the body, every organ gland and system in the body has an associated emotion. So like, for example, in Chinese medicine, they say the throat or the lungs hold grief. So if somebody has respiratory issues like lung cancers, the number one cancer diagnosed, it's a, it's a repressed grief or, or smoking, you know, just like smoking a lot. Like a lot of times where we do this kind of thing, to suppress grief, like the emotion of grief. Um, the heart is usually sadness. The liver is usually anger. And that's usually associated with our father, father issues, whether that's our father or maybe our, our father wound. Um, you know, so, so just making that point that the, the body itself is giving you a feedback of what's going on internally. And if you can learn to track the sensations of the body, then you can get to the deeper root causes. 
I love this man. I love it. And I can relate that whole feeling of grief. I used to get chest infections all the time, man. But you know when it would show up? It was when I had alcohol, mm. right? Once I did my healing around regret, because regret is the emotional state that's tied to grief and your right. view of life is tragic. Uh, I generally, because, you know, I was achieving so much success, I thought like, oh, everything's all good. My, my view of life is not tragic. It's all good. But then when I would drink, like, and this would have to be quite a lot of drinks, that feeling would come in. It wasn't until I healed that aspect, right? Was able to move through it, work through the forgiveness. Mm -hmm. And it was forgiveness with myself, actually. Yeah. I've done forgiveness with my mom, my dad, my ex-partners, my friend. I've done all that, man. Mm -hmm. um, very freeing. But it's moving through that regret. And what I noticed was after that, I had a big break from drinking, but then I had, you know, a, a celebration, a party with someone, and I, and I drank in. And I noticed that I didn't have, get that feeling anymore. And there was one other time of that, I was like, wow, I don't have that feeling anymore. But it was only in retrospect when I look back, oh, that's what happened there. Mm -hmm. right it creates mm -hmm. weaknesses in your system you become more yes. susceptible and obviously drinking isn't like it's not my jam i don't really enjoy it to be honest now but i think um these type of things like stress this emotional pain this mm -hmm. uh mm -hmm. needing for control and then noticing what actually shows up in your body is a good sign that it's all interconnected so i love that you've broken that down one of the mm -hmm. questions that i had for you i wanted to drop in on before we we bounce bounce into the next quadrant is um, this has actually showed up quite a lot with the audience. This has been a conversation that's popped up in uh, engagement with certain posts that I put out, um, people asking questions in the DM. Coffee, right? Coffee is a big one. I see you like you're nodding right now with this big smile on your face. Oh, you know yeah. It, right? um, oh, yeah. A little while back, <clears throat> I was noticing I started getting to this pattern of drinking. Like I'd have to have a coffee at least an hour before the gym. Mm. And it would give me a kick. And I was justifying it going, well... It, it makes me feel just a little bit more boosted and I have an even better workout when I have a coffee before I go to the gym. Now that's okay. But the fact that I was doing it five days a week started to wear on me on the back end. Mm. It's like taking out a loan, right? I had to pay it off at some mm. point. I was, I was still keeping the same sleeping pattern going. So instead of getting that one hour extra sleep to pay the loan back, I wasn't. And I started to notice, man, it was interesting because it at first, it was a trigger of a little bit of anxiety. And I hadn't felt anxiety for a long time. I used to take pre-workout drinks when I was mm -hmm. like big into all the gym stuff like many years ago when I was younger. And I started to notice a little bit of that, like the sweaty palms, the shortness of breath, feeling like that mm -hmm. out of controlness, you know? Yes, yes. And, and I felt the, my left arm and the left side of me go a little bit, not like less feeling there and a bit of a weakness in the left side, mm -hmm. right? I started to back away from the coffee and I noticed that started to shift over time and I wasn't feeling it anymore. And now I have a coffee, just I've made a commitment of having it a couple of times a week. It'd probably be better to not have it at all. It's just a couple of times a week as a bit of a splurge. But what's your thoughts, man? What, okay. what showed up in that? Because yeah, I have I'm, actually had other people mm -hmm. mention to me, they get like a twitch in their eye. Yeah. They, they, they get all sorts of stuff. Okay. Thank man. This is made. This might be the most important part of the entire episode for people to listen to. So let's, let's drop in on this. So I, I, I have a lot of experience on this particular subject, both with coffee. At one point I did have a, a caffeine coffee problem. I knew it was a problem. I pretended like I didn't know. And I was absolutely out of integrity with my teachings at the time. And it was no wonder I wasn't getting a lot of headway because I was not 
and integrity and in that and I, that maybe i'll plant that seed because that's actually an important thing in all this but we'll we'll just put that to the side um so what coffee actually does is it's a central nervous system stimulant so it's stimulating the prefrontal cortex of the brain and it's it actually inhibits the empathy uh, circuitry, the empathy receptors that actually, so empathy as a, as a, uh, emotional state runs on the neuro networks in the brain and the nervous system. And there's certain things that help to open up our empathy, our heart being empathetic, um, and being able to feel people and being calm, relaxed. And, and that's kind of more like the GABA, the GABA neurotransmitter serotonin, that kind of thing. Um, what it does is it, it, it kind of inhibits that and puts you in this very linear hyper-focused state. And that's why a lot of entrepreneurs like to use coffee. It is, but what it does is it, it's a biological bankruptcy. Ultimately it's robbing Peter to pay Paul and it, it, it inhibits your capacity for full cognitive function um, it inhibits it and it basically it basically keeps you at a particular limitation where you may feel that you're you're like at full capacity, but you're actually more like 50 percent and it's going to it's going to keep you there and you need more of it to get the same effect that you got before. Um, and that and that's the same thing with all these like dopamine, dopaminergic um, type of stimulant um patterns that that's the dopamine roller coaster essentially is that it feels really good it stimulates the pleasure receptors you feel that boost you feel really alert but then it traps you and now you're you're basically blunting the dopamine receptors and so they're not working as well and now you need more of the thing to get less of the effect and and so that that's a drug that that's what a drug does and coffee is a drug. It's a culturally accepted drug and our culture, our civilization is largely running on certain drugs that helped create it and help it maintain and function <clears throat> coffee being one of those main things. So that's, that's a little, that's a little side from it. Another thing I want to share about it and everybody can relate to this when you, no one's ever said that. No, I don't think I've ever heard anyone say this except me. Coffee reinforces the ego. This became Ooh. a very obvious, uh, pattern that I noticed. Um, I noticed it with me, but I started to notice it hanging out in like Venice, los angeles and like bulletproof and i saw the whole thing when the whole bulletproof coffee thing came in and um you know it it really sh i really started to notice with people that it, it seemed to reinforce their their egoic drives but it didn't seem to do much for their emotional well-being and it seemed that people were just more in this like overt like crush it, get shit done. Like, like, you know, this kind of mode, which is like, it feels good. It's adrenalizing. It stimulates cortisol, which is the stress response, the fight flight or freeze response. So for some people, they may freeze. It'll bring anxiety. Anxiety will come up when they have too much coffee or caffeine, right? We all know that. Um, it might, uh, what fight. So fight puts you in that, like that fight mode. So that's interesting. 
why do I need to be in a fight? Like I'm, if you're like writing emails or something, why do I need to be, what am I fighting? Like what, what, what's this, this fighting energy, this adrenalized energy? Why can't I just do my work or go to the gym without having to like put myself in this sympathetic response state, this adrenalized state, or there's the, the, the fight flight. Yeah. Flight is like, I just can't function at all. Like, I actually need to get away from this. I need to, I need to run the other way. I need to avoid this because I can't handle it. So everybody can kind of feel wh which one of these does coffee put you into. Um, and I, I, I don't suspect that there's a fourth category. And the fourth category would just be like, everything's good. I feel good. I feel like balanced and happy and harmonious. And then that, by the way, I'm not saying like you may not experience that. I'm just saying that most experiences I've seen with, with heavy coffee use, not the once a day. If you can, if you're the type of person where you don't have a problem with it and you can have it once, not once a day, but once a week kind of thing. And it's like a treat and it's like social and you just, it's good. That's great. However, I've never seen that be the case. I've never seen anybody actually do that. Um, I certainly wasn't that type of person. So, I mean, there's plenty more I could say, but those are kind of the main things that I want to drive across. And um, the last thing I'll say about it is that everybody knows. Everybody that, that I, I've, I've, I've heard from so many people, Joel, once I start talking about coffee, that's one of the topics that seems to get the most feedback from people that are like, like I've been secretly struggling with this coffee addiction and I know that it's, I know that it's not a good thing, but like, I keep going back to it and it's, it's like, okay, we have a drug problem. Basically we, we have a, we have a, a, a subtle or not so subtle drug problem that we need to, we need to address. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. I love that you're speaking into this. So much of this resonates. Remember the map of consciousness, with David Hawkins, right? There's a, mm -hmm. there's a point and he said in general, and this was written what, maybe like five or 10 years ago, it was, it was a while back. He's passed away now, but uh, he said that the world on scale, when it comes to the energetic frequency that's in us, is we typically operate around 209, which is around courage. It's not uh, even right, right. neutrality, right? We're not even in neutrality, willingness, <clears throat> acceptance, forgiveness, optimism, trust, love, understanding, reason. We're in this courage. Now, to this point, I do see a lot of entrepreneurs. I personally know entrepreneurs that make hundreds of millions. They're centillionaires or whatever you want to call them. They make hundreds of millions of dollars. And people are praising them and glorifying them and pedestaling them. Oh, they're so amazing. You've got to, you know, like someone, for example, I, I know, you know, know, know uh, Gary Vaynerchuk back in the yep. day, he was very much an advocate for, you know, keep running till your feet fall off and your freaking yeah. face melts, right? <laughs> and it, it, even he pulled back from more of that conversation. It was, it, it yep. was great to see him go back into keeping fitter and paying attention to, you know, his coffee and everything. And, and, and it just shows you, you can only do so much until you get to a point of burnout. But what it shows us is that when we stay in these states, needing courage, needing pride, needing anger, uh, needing competition, uh, scorn, uh, uh -huh. like that, it, it becomes a space where all we start to know is force. In order for me to win, I must force to win. In the upper brackets, trust, optimism, forgiveness, understanding, reason, yes. reverence, love, joy, peace. That's power. That's where God has created yeah. us to be. The enemy of our soul wants us to stay in force, mm. in destruction, in stagnation, not creation. We can be a weapon of mass creation. 
when we transcend this and overcome this. So uh, I love that you've brought up and gone deeper into this conversation around coffee. It's so good we went there because uh, this third quadrant is emotion and it shows like you could learn, you, you yourself could be sharing information about it, but if people are still addicted to the coffee, they're going to struggle. They're going to be enforced around their emotions yes. and still not quite get it. Yeah. So is there any other pieces to the emotion piece that you think yeah. would be important to mention before we move to our last question? Uh, absolutely. I mean, and that's a, that's a deep well right there, but you know, just on this coffee topic, I'll just speak from my own personal experience. When I got off coffee within like the third week, I had my third eye open up and I'd had many different spiritual awakenings. Mean? So what, what that, that means mean? is, so you, in your, in your brain, in the midpoint of your brain, you have your pineal gland which is actually where DMT is secreted. Um, and that's where melatonin is secreted, which is the chemical that helps you go into REM sleep and have visions and DMT is secreted and that, all that kind of thing. It's known as a spirit molecule. That's what scientists call it. That study like psychedelics and stuff. Um, I, I had multiple different, like I've had emotional releases because under the coffee sympathetic nervous system like state where you're in this fight or flight, your emotions are not easily accessible. So the only sensations that really are accessible is like fear, doubt, panic, anxiety, the things that get amplified through that stress um, state. Um, but it doesn't allow for genuine healing to occur. So what, what ends up happening is as you start to minimize or completely get off the, the nervous system stimulants, even brain supplements too can be a problem. I got completely off the nootropics, brain supplements, anything that would stimulate the circuitry of my brain because I was like, I, I, I know this stuff. I wrote a book on it. I, I do the dopamine reset. The dopamine reset program the protocol itself is one of the most powerful things for, for rebalancing your brain chemistry. And once you do that, the body self, it has a self-regulating pattern. Like your body is designed to heal itself. Your brain is designed to heal itself. But if you keep jolting and keep pushing the voltage all the time, it, it's going to, it's going to blow a fuse. It's going to, you're going to have a burnout. So what I noticed is that my emotions became way more stable when I drank too much coffee or any of these supplements, um, I did too much of it and didn't have enough sleep and all that kind of thing. My emotions were just like, whoa, like getting triggered yeah. and just unstable and, and just feeling like, whoa, am I becoming like a woman? Like what yeah. the heck is, I'm not able to like maintain my, my balance. And I realized not, like, not good for couples, right? Couples that are in a little bit of a challenge in their relationship would just be going at each other. <laughs> Dude, I've been, I, and I've been through it in relationships and I look back at myself and it's like one level of it was like, yeah, you, you, you definitely made some mistakes, but then I look at my patterns and I look at the coffee habit and I look at these other types of patterns that weren't in integrity with what I really know and teach. And I realized like, no wonder. No wonder you you had you were at the edge or you were so easily triggered because my emotions were just they were unstable and so anyways when I got off the caffeine and the coffee I felt like a normal human being I I felt like myself I was like oh my god what a, what a discovery I'm I'm like completely balanced I'm happy I genuinely just feel happy for no no apparent reason um 
And that, that's obviously that's that more than anything is what I want for people. And, uh, yeah, so I think that's, that's a good way to conclude the whole coffee thing. Yeah. I love that, man. And, and obviously it ties into the third quadrant of the emotion. So you have physical, right? Which is the health physical, you have the mental and you have the emotion and the last one is spiritual just with the emotion. Is there anything that you strategically do, right? Like something tangible or a practice that just Mm -hmm. keeps your emotions in check? Yes. Okay. Great question. Um, so, okay. So the emotional thing is like, it's, it's the most like finicky area, I think, because it's the most undefined and the most kind of mysterious. Um, so for example, like I just said, my emotional stability balanced out when my physical and mental health improved, my mental health improved, my brain chemistry improved when I got off the things that were throwing it out of balance and that had to do with how I was dealing with my physical body. So, so like there's an overlap. These, so one thing leads to another, in other words. Um, and Everything's so I, touching everything, right? Absolutely. And I find the emotions are more like they're, they're like a byproduct of what's going on with the body. And then, so you, so you have the mind, the thoughts, the stories, the beliefs, what is going on with the mind. And that elicits an emotional response. Yeah. So if, if you actually take care of the physical and the mental and you you treat that as a uh, like a unified system, the emotions will actually take care of themselves. Now, you can go deeper into the emotions with like understanding trauma work, like childhood traumas and, and going deep into that. And but but again, even that is actually somatic work. It's body work like trauma lives in the body. It doesn't live in this like abstract ethereal realm that you can't like access or detect it's very measurable it's in your tissues it's in your body so addressing that through different modalities and just your lifestyle living a healthier lifestyle will help you in the emotional world yeah how dope is it that god's created us like this super 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 cosmic computer like you know it's somewhere in our unconscious somewhere there in the shadow it's like it just knows the point in our body to send that information. It's like, boom, when this happens, do this. Do, 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 do. It's just, it just essentially pays attention to commands. And what's really cool mm-hmm. is with our conscious mind, we can tell our unconscious, we can input commands to change yes. the program. This is the part yes. that people don't understand. Like your unconscious is downloading 10 billion bits a second and your conscious is at like 10 bits a second. You know, but we can do so much even with that, which is insane. It's like a speed bullet train in the unconscious compared to a little push card on a track, right? Mm-hmm. But telling it and inputting it because it doesn't understand questions. You can't ask your unconscious a question, but you can command it. And people don't understand. Mm-hmm. They don't need to necessarily be a slave to their mind. They can become the master of it as Joe Dispenza says, right? So the last part to this with the fourth quadrant here of spiritual spirituality, mm-hmm. bro. I, I, I love how you've had this. You've had a great awakening. I know you had your, an experience. You went to Mexico, uh, you experienced plant medicine, right? You, you had ayahuasca, you had this opening up, but, but to go even deeper in that experience, there was these realizations within yourself that you had connected 
these dots that you had collected along the way. It's the connection mm. of the collection, mm. right? And, yes. and it was this like, hey, I have reference points of what I vibed with and connected with over time that makes sense. So you've not only just gone, oh, that's logically consistent for me. You've looked at empirical evidence. You've had experiential relevance as well. Because mm-hmm. in this world we live in now, you know, we've gone past that postmodernistic. In the postmodernistic mm-hmm. age, we very much want that conservative, logical, like give me the investigative answers. Whereas now a lot of what we're in is information and spiritual age. So a lot of people are wanting that experiential relevance along yes. with us. And I love how you've been able to have this experience in your life, in your journey that's led you up to be able to connect those dots together to bring more weight in its reference to go, I think I'm onto something. Mm-hmm. And I, sh- I see you sh- like boldly, Shannon, I say boldly because a lot of people who are judging this, uh, you know, in this day and age, they don't like religion. And you've shared just the same view as me is we're not about religion, you're about relationship with God. Mm, yeah, I love how you have this incredible insight. What brought you to that spiritual connection? And not only that, mm. like, what do you see when you think of this spirit- spiritually and like, what can we do with it? If we were able to get onto this ourselves too, like what spiritually are you seeing going on that would allow us to have a better perspective of life that would optimize the way that we walk this earth i know that's pretty kind of loaded (laughs) yeah but but like what do you think it is that we can shift our perspective into mm because we can't tell people what to think but we can encourage them to think in a different way yeah that's 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 amazing i can definitely run with that um yeah i've i've definitely had the most profound shift of my it was it was the best it was the most important experience of my life it, it was the defining moment of the trajectory for my life and i could go deep into deep into that and break down the like what led me to there and and basically it, it was a spiritual crisis that i didn't even really fully recognize um but it wasn't as if i was like spiritually bankrupt it was just i, I my soul and my personal identity as Ronnie Landis and who I was were at a crossroads. And there was, there was this, this, like this thing, like this, this, this thing that could not, this dragon, there was basically this dragon that was like, like it could not be contained based on who I was at the time. I, I couldn't, I, the, who I was, was too small to hold this, this, this thing that was not going to, uh, resist emerging. So, you know, in, in synchronicity and, in and things guided, and I was called into this experience. It was absolutely beautiful, perfect. And it took me, it, it literally healed things in me that I didn't even know needed to be healed. And it, it literally brought me to my knees to God. Um, I felt the father with me over me, infusing his love into me, his heart into my heart, um, tears of absolute humility that I, that I knew this was God. There's no, I've not like, it's just pouring out of me. I'm like, this is exactly what I've heard people talk about in genuine repentance stories. Like I couldn't help myself. And it was the most, it was the most beautiful, beautiful thing. And also it, it, it smacked me with the ruler over and over and over and over and humbled me and schooled me on my ego, just checked my ego left, right, and center. And I have to say it was the most liberating thing in the world to actually have my ego checked. I was just like, thank you. Thank you. Cause damn, that thing is so, that thing is just such a hindrance. Um, <laughs> but you know, just so, okay. The spiritual quadrant 
as you were talking, I was just feeling into like, yeah, what that is. It's because it's, it's so unique to each person. You could take it from like a, a theology perspective or a faith-based perspective, and everybody's going to have their own unique walk with that and how you choose to define it or what your relationship is to it. Um, I think it, it, it comes down to, it's like a state of wellness, right? Like, like there's physical wellness and well-being of the body and mental health and emotional health. And those, those, all of those together are like, they're like a representation of how your spirit is doing because spiritual health is actually fundamental to everything else. It's fundamental to success, true success, sustainable success, um, in relationship success, which I think relationships actually are the hallmark of spirituality. Um, I think there's, there's kind of this meme in certain spiritual circles or monastic circles, or even new age kind of wishy-washy teachings or whatever, whatever different like thought for thought, um, uh, beliefs are out there around spirituality being this like isolation thing. Like it's, it's me and myself, right? There's, there's kind of a narcissistic tendency with a lot of the spiritual community where it's like, Oh, it's just me and my process and my personal faith and, and whatever. Um, but actually to me, spirituality is most found in relationships. And that that's actually, that's what ayahuasca showed me. in one of my, one of my processes, because I was asking, show me God. I was like, that was, I was intent on meeting God. Like I, I want, like, I'm like, like I'm up there, I'm literally projecting my consciousness into the heavens. And then it brings me down into my life and it starts showing me my relationships. It shows me my mother, my grandmother. And I was like, I got the, I was like, Oh man, whoa. I totally was missing the whole point. Cause I'm looking for God out there. I'm trying to connect. And it showed me, it was like, the people in your life, your relationships, that that's, that's what's real. Like not this abstract idea of some spiritual concept or something out there is like, no, like the people in your life is actually where you're going to find God. And it, and it echoed in my ear. It said, help people just help people. And even funny, we're talking on your podcast, the the addicted to success show with all these entrepreneurs, which started showing me the folly of online business marketing messaging. And like everything's transactional and every message is transactional. And it showed, and it was just like, I was just like, Whoa. And it was just like, just help people like, forget about the money. Like for like that, that's, that'll come, but just literally be, go out there and help people and it felt like it just felt like the, the, like God speaking through, like do my work through me, like, like right. however the phrase goes, like just, just yeah. be about service and helping people. And that is going to be where you're going to find this, this thing called spirituality. Um, so like, you know, there's a lot of ways I could say it, but that's really what wanted to come through in this message. Right. Resonate so much, man. Yeah, being the vessel, right? There's a there's a quote from Oswald Chambers. He's one of my f- most favorite writers when it comes to faith. He says, if you are going to be used by God, he will take you through a number of experiences that are not meant for you personally at all. Ooh, Check it out. Ooh. They are designed to make you useful in his hands. 
and to enable you to understand what it takes to place uh, takes place in the lives of others. That call, bro, wow, is wow. a massive responsibility. Like, uh, let me repeat that again. If you're going to be used by God, He will take you through a number of experiences that are not meant for you personally at all. They are designed to make you useful in His hands and to enable you to understand what it takes, Ooh. what takes place in the lives of others. Right? Ooh. Like, and and this too, man. Like, there's a there's a writer in Isaiah, whether you're Christian or religious or whatever, like both Ronnie and I have shared, we, we subscribe to relationship with it's personal. Mm -hmm. It's a personal being. It's not a concept of God. So many different systems have this concept. It's just this concept that's so far away with, with us. It's this relationship, this connection. That's what Jesus conveys so well. He came down the mountain to meet with us, to be in relationship. We don't work our way up to win love from a dictator, narcissistic God that tries to make us, you know, grovel on our knees to him. It's, it's because he wants us to realize the limitations within us that, that we can co-create so much more with him when we let go of and, and carry our cross mm -hmm. too, right? And there's this saying here from Oswald too, which blew me away. God did not direct his call to Isaiah. Isaiah overheard God saying, who will go for us? The call of God is not just for a select few, take, take heed here, but for everyone. Whether I hear God's call or not depends on the condition of my ears. Mm. And exactly what I hear depends upon my spiritual attitude. Mm -hmm. Right? Oh, you, just, Honestly, oh, you just hit something right there. <laughs> I'm mm -hmm. getting chills. Man. But listen, like if you're listening right now, like really take heed to this. God is desiring to co-create with us. Mm. Right? And it was not only like to the point you obviously had your experience through ayahuasca that activated and opened up those parts that you may have had resistance towards. So it like oh, brought yeah. down the barriers, right? For me, I didn't necessarily go that route. You know, kind of my experiences, I don't necessarily go out and encourage that, um, mm -hmm. but everyone mm -hmm. has their own way. Who yeah. am I to judge someone's personal experience, right? Then I would be the person throwing, casting stones at others. I don't know, right? I'm imperfect just as much as anybody else. So what my experience was in this was that I got to the point where I was constantly running in circle after circle after circle. It got to a point where it was all just relativism. It was like Hinduism, Buddhism, Kabbal, Eastern mysticism, ancient Egyptian writings. It was Taoism. Bro, I got to a point where I was just like, these are all just concepts from something so far yes. away and so yes. pagan with no connection to what I've ever wanted to have with God. It was only until I dropped to my knees and said, the only thing I care about is truth. And I, yes. will, I will not stop searching until every stone is, is turned, right? And I asked Christ to come into my life, to come into my heart. And what started happening was that veil was lifted. I said, Jesus, I want to know you for you, not religion or institution, but for you. And what happened, bro, and everyone that's listening, it may be a, this may be of interest to you, is it started to reveal a contrast in my life. I started noticing, oh, that's actually not connected to God. Those practices I was in, those things I was in, it wasn't God was shaming me or judging me in it. It's mm -hmm. that I, because I asked to be better and to co-create that it started to reveal where I could start making changes. The, the scales myself. fell from the eyes. Yeah, man, the veil was lifted, right? Mm -hmm. And just as much as that fabric was torn in reality from that moment, that sin, that violation of purpose had entered the mm -hmm. world, I realized there is a way to come out of that too, that we can transcend the matrix of the fallen kingdom through the way. And so, and I know it's like, well, okay, this is deep. This is where we wanted to take it because it, that's how much it is so meaningful for you that like so many of these, yeah. these materials are just that. They're literally like God has his original design and it's laid out with beauty and magnificence. And as you know, 
this, the enemy of our soul was laid upon us, these material and these societal structures and these agendas and this coercion and this destruction and this selfishness and this egocentric attitude towards building a uh, kingdom. It's like layering transparent sheet over after transparent sheet of all these things on mm. top of the original design that it mm-hmm. turns into this cluster mess that we no right. longer can quite see the truth. So how can we possibly believe the truth if we're distracted by a lie? You can't believe the lie and the truth at the exact same time. Dude. So in that coming to God, man, I ask for the undoing. I ask undo all this in me and just bring me mm-hmm. truth on a dish, even if it hurts. You know, yes, and so yes. like I see you too, bro, as I see it. And, and so many of my students that I've worked with that have got to the point where they realize you can hear about, you've got to do all the forgiveness work and you've got to do your self-development to the point where you realize the true forgiveness work is dropping to the knees of, of God almighty, right? <laughs> this omnipotent, omniscient oh, man. God that loves you through truth, love and liberty is the way he operates. And, and he has designed this world in the way for us to win that we fall to that and say, I am ready to be in everything humbled before you so that one day you exalt me. And those mm. that are exalting themselves right now without that humility will eventually be debased because we destroy mm. ourselves in our own self-destruction. Mm-hmm. So yeah, dude, this is, this dude, is the most, oh bro, I've been man. waiting to get to this part, man. I know this part is so deep. Oh. And what's really cool, bros, we can only really even just scratch the tip of the iceberg. That's what right. Is spiritual transcendence goes beyond self-development. Dude, you, oh man, you just you just really uh, touching me super deeply with that. And um, there's two things that really came to mind. Um, just kind of with the ayahuasca thing, for what what comes up for me personally. And again, this is a personal thing. It's just like your relationship with with God, with Christ, with whatever your your particular path is and how you label it. It's a relationship. And so I have a particular relationship that's been developed with this medicine and it's an earth medicine. And, and by virtue of that, who created the earth and all of its sentient beings and all of its plants and all of its, it's all of its uh, creation. Um, and what I wanted to say about that is that what came up for me was that, you know, we, we all have different ways of going to church and we all have different ways to congregate with the Holy Spirit. And for me and for I would imagine for like the Shipibo people in the Amazon River Basin or in the Brazil or in uh, Mesoamerica who don't necessarily have the same kind of like religious um, foundation or whatever. In other words, there's many ways to the top of the mountain. There's many ways to God. And so for me, this was the most authentic, direct church experience like like i i i that's my that in this particular segment of my life this this is my church because it takes me in it takes me through the shadow it confronted me with the devil it confronted me with with all of it and then it brought me to god and 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 um what was i gonna say about that yeah just just making that point i think just to connect that that just to connect that piece um and oh no, this is the most important part of that. The important part wasn't the experience itself. That that's like an awakening, right? Like you can have an awakening uh, happen in your life in many different ways, but that's not actually what's important because you can you can obsess over the experience that's long past. What's important is the integration of the lessons of the experience. I want to make sure I get that across. 
whether it's a coaching experience, it's a, it's a plant medicine experience. It's a, it's a going to church. How many people ruminate and meditate on the lessons of the sermon and then implement that into their life past Sunday, right? It's the same concept. Um, it, not obsessing over how great the experience was, but actually integrating and in, implementing the lesson so it becomes part of you and you you become reborn, right? You become a different person than you were before. So, and so yeah. I wanted to say that. The other thing I wanted to say too, just to close out the spiritual quadrant, I, I feel like it's actually the spiritual health is really like, or it's reflected in your attitude. Like a lot of people would say, oh, your attitude's mental health. I, I, I actually think your, your spiritual health is reflected in your dominant attitude. So if you have a bad attitude about something that's showing you a spiritual illness or in, in, inhibition, right? If you have a joyful attitude, a positive, optimistic attitude, that's showing a healthy spirit, Um so I wanted to simplify that piece as far as like, how do you, how do you measure? How do you, what are the metrics of spiritual health? Well, how does your spirit feel? How do, how is your attitude towards life? Yeah. Yeah. Is there this respect for the purpose of your life too? Like, this is the thing that I noticed is it, it makes me sad, bro. When I have conversations with people and they think this is just it, like, this is it. It's like, yo, you're not, just dancing with your DNA. Like I really truly believe yeah. that God pulled you out of the infinite and brought you into a finite space for a mission. Like you were here for something. Your life has meaning. There's, there's value that he placed on your heart, you know? Yeah. And yeah. I think just reconnecting back to that, bro, it's like, you know, when you're a little child, if you remember the love of your mother or your father, like knowing that God is even more <laughs> abundant in that, you know, cause we're so like, in our programs and, and from generation to generation, just, just like, yeah, going through a lot of stuff and trying our best, but really even just thinking about those times when you've really connected with someone you truly love and knowing that that's possible. I, I think a lot of what we do is we get so clouded in, like I said, the layers of transparent sheets of confusion, fear, coercion, and all these things that are in this space. There's a, there's a spiritual battle that's at play. Yes. And I think if we, we, we forget that ultimately at the end of it, man, you know, I look at the book of Revelation. Someone asked me, you know, what, what, what's in the book of Revelation? I said, well, in a nutshell, Jesus wins. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like we could hear all these things. It's a book of hope, man. It's a book of hope for people that right. are walking through the Valley of Barca, man. You know, the Valley of Barca is a, there's this, um, this, this passage in the, in the scriptures, whether you believe in religion or Christ or not, just the scriptures have so much wisdom. And, mm -hmm. and the Jews were to walk through the valley of Barca and the Barca means weeping, but they were called to not stay there. They were called to pass through. They're called for a higher journey. And that's what we are called. In our life, we will experience suffering. If you're going to live in a wrapped up bubble, you miss out on life. You may quietly tiptoe to your grave. But what was the point of it? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And why not turn to someone that's had that most, like think about the suffering. There's a, there's a, there's a um, verse in, in uh, that Paul had written and I believe it was in, uh, in Ephesians. And he says, you know, to, to understand Christ in his, his uh, sacrifice, you know, his, his, uh, his crucifixion and his resurrection. And I think we know what that means, right? A lot of people can go, cool, okay, well, you did that, that happened. And it says, but to share in the sufferings 
of your love and your sacrifice. It's like, man, I don't know if I know that. I don't, I really don't know if I know that, man. I don't think that I've ever gone as deep as that. And, and that's the call for us is not to live in that suffering. It's that to know that this is actually a part of what would be in our experience. But what's even better is to know there's a promise on the other side of it. That how could we trust that we'd have the eternal available to us if that person that trust that promised us that wasn't able to literally do it himself? Okay, you know, we so. we okay, dude. You just okay. So you just hit you just hit such a note that I wanna I wanna I wanna hit I wanna I wanna help people land that plane in their own personal life with yeah. The pathway through is through your addictions. The, the pathway through the shadow of the valley of death and to fear no evil is to go through your own, sh- your own valley, which is your own metamorphosis, which is your own resurrection, which is the old self that is addicted to victimization and stories and excuses and mm-hmm. these self-inflicted um, mediocrity patterns, which is all just these addictions that we use to compensate for whatever our trauma, our, our, whatever, our, our lack of willingness, our lack of courage to actually rise to the occasion and be all that we're here to be. I mean, if you, this, this book really like it has all the science, it has all the stuff, but really the core of it is it's a spiritual endeavor into transformation and and you can't you can't like spiritually bypass this issue that you're bringing up in this issue of addiction because when you talk about suffering you talk about pain you talk about that knot in your stomach everybody here knows what that is you either know because you have a family member or you've seen friends struggle with alcoholism or drug abuse or you've struggled with pornography or whatever the thing is. Um, and also those, those things, those habits are just compensation strategies to numb, medicate and tranquilize the pain or the hollowness that we feel deep down inside because, Mm. because God or whatever term you want to use, it's, it's, it's that yourself, your soul, your own, your own soul is um is being medicated essentially and yeah. um and so that that really that i think that's why this book and this whole theme around addiction uh kind of it kind of just called me to be the person to write this book and put this message out there and combine these quadrants and particularly drive the spiritual message as the fundamental like delivery for overcoming addiction um yeah because if we can overcome our addictions we ultimately we overcome ourselves and we move from karma which is just this repeated pattern of living in the darkness just living in the the same old same old same old just repeating the patterns and move into our dharma and our dharma is our purpose our dharma is why we're here our dharma is actually who we are so living in this karmic cycle of, you know, the, the, the Buddhism, they call it the wheel of samsara, the wheel of suffering, right? And the Buddha's whole journey from Siddhartha to Buddha becoming the Bodhisattva was actually just liberating himself and transcending his own addiction to the flesh and then becoming 
the the enlightened kind of bodhisattva who could who could empathize with the suffering but not be tethered not be tied down or weighed down by it and i think that's the journey that we're all on yeah hey man i've come to realize i can't do it by myself you know like no matter how much self-development that's why you know i co-create with god and 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 it's that's that's the thing is like hey man try and pull yourself up by your own shoestrings and save your soul try it (laughs) go through your whole life to pull yourself up just by that and and the important thing is like i said like throw religion out the window chuck it just connect with with truth in christ you know connect with that that example that we have it's it's powerful stuff so brother i really love this conversation this is deep we went down the rabbit hole into a cosmic field of awesomeness uh so thank you so much and uh your book addiction free lifestyle uh they can anyone's listening can pick it up on amazon can order um, it yeah all right just go, actually go to um the addiction free lifestyle.com the the addiction free lifestyle.com and then um order it from there if you can it, it'll be cheaper too and then um that's where you can find that. And then my personal website is hhphealth.com, hhphealth.com. And then you can just find me on Instagram, uh, Facebook, but I'm a little more active on Instagram these days. Yeah, posting a lot of truth, man. <laughs> Courageous post. Uh, Ronnie, so R-O-N-N-I-E underscore. Make sure you got the underscore there. Landis, L-A-N-D-I-S, okay? And you'll see him on there. A lot of really awesome stuff. Thank you so much, Ronnie. This has been amazing. Uh, at the end of every episode, I'll ask this last question here. The question is, if you were to deliver your last 30-second speech to the world, mm-hmm. what would that last 30 seconds sound like? Hmm. Man, I was so unprepared for that question. I should have known it was coming. Best way uh, to do it. Yes, yes. Um, Trust and believe. Okay. The, the message would go something like, at your core, you are he- you're whole, healed, and complete. So there's nothing to add on. There's no personal development. There's nothing to layer on. There's only false identities to release and let go of to discover who and what you really are, which is a being that is whole, healed, and complete. And once you discover that, you discover who you are, you discover how powerful you really are, and then you become the master of your destiny.